Hi, everyone. You're listening to Making Account, a podcast that explores everyday financial topics to debunk common money myths. We're your hosts, Christina. And Will. Whether you're just establishing yourself financially, working to break that paycheck to paycheck cycle, or wanting to optimize your savings, we've been there. And done that and still have more to learn. So join us as we interview local financial experts, answer your burning questions, and share our own money experiences on Making Making It Count. So this is a very topical episode of Making It Count because we're gonna be talking about the fear and uncertainty of what's been happening in the stock market as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's impossible to escape the news. And while we need to stay informed about the virus and what experts are recommending, financial news is looming just as large for us and our listeners. So on today's episode, we'll be interviewing Rob and John from CUNA Brokerage Services to help clear up some of this confusion and fear. Then we're gonna be asking some listener submitted questions in our rapid fire making it count essentials in the sum up we'll discuss an article about the cares act and after that we'll share our favorite segment which is what did we learn today and lastly we'll leave you with some next steps in our how to make it count segment where we're going to talk about a positive blog that we are loving right now so let's get started will what is your biggest concern about money during this time Well, I I definitely feel very fortunate right now. I have been able to continue working. Um, I've been working a lot from home and I feel very, um, you know, blessed in that regard. Um, But there's still definitely concerns. And I I also see it a lot with my friends right now. I've got friends who are facing um, partial layoffs or full layoffs. So I think that there's a lot of um, concern around just making paying your bills in a lot of regard. Um, But I I also know for myself personally, I've also been very concerned about all the um, money I put away for my retirement right now, all my 401k money, the investments that are there um, are not doing well. So it's kind of a scary moment. What about you? Yeah, I'm along the same road. Like I it pains me to hear about these people that restaurants are closing down and and people are getting laid off. A friend of mine is an executive chef at a local restaurant and he's had to lay off 80% of his workforce. Um, And those are his friends. So that has been really hard. But on, on my end, it's the same thing, like my retirement investment. Like I, I know I have some time, but I am almost like I don't even want to look at it. But is that the right thing to do to just pretend like not look at it until this is over? So that that's that's unsettling for me. Absolutely. It's, it's a lot of what we've worked for. Um, but I think that today's episode is going to be really great. Um, I think that we can focus on how to be proactive in this approach. Um, We're very lucky to have two people whose job it is to advise on how to make smart investments and reach long-term financial goals. Rob Mazur and John Stanton of CUNA Brokerage Services. Hi, John. Hi, Rob. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we are so excited about getting advice from you guys. So if you guys can introduce yourselves. Good afternoon, everybody. John Stanton with CUNA Brokerage. Been partnered now with Edition Financial for four years and appreciate the uh, time to spend talking with y'all. Oh, and I'm Rob Mazur. I've uh, been here for what, almost two years now. Uh, but uh, yeah, this isn't the first rodeo for for either one of us. Uh, I've, I've been doing this for 20 something years. <laughs> um, and uh, so this it's but it's a timely topic. And every time it happens, it's it's always different. So, well, I feel so lucky. And I know I'm, I'm seeking for Will to have you guys here because there is so much fear and confusion and 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 the unknown is really scary. So having your 
expertise here and all of your knowledge is really going to help us and a lot of our listeners out. So let's start with the big picture question. A lot of people, myself included, are really nervous about our finances right now. Um, with the record unemployment claims that have passed in the you know in the past several weeks and our markets are way down, is it normal to feel panicked about money in a time like this? I mean, absolutely. Um, and, you know, especially in this case, which, like I said, every time it's different. Uh, but uh, in this case, everybody's been affected. Uh, you know, everybody's been touched in some way within this. I mean, I know with myself, I've got three kids and one of them has gotten laid off, you know, from his mm -hmm. job as a, as a dishwasher at the country club. Um, you know, you, you see those things happening. And so it's this, this time it's very personal, I think, for everybody. And so, yeah, of course, you know, when that starts to happen and you see the headlines that, that keep rolling through, both from a health perspective and from a market perspective, it, it, you kind of get to the point, I think it's just natural human nature to get to the point where you just kind of freeze, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think um, like Will was talking before, he's lucky enough to where he's still able to work, whether it be from home or coming into the office. Um, you think of any server out there who works on tips, bartenders, waitresses, waiters, hosts, things like that, um, that don't have the work now and are, aren't making the money the same way. I, I just think I saw the other day where the uh, Texas Roadhouse CEO has given up a, his annual salary mm. to pay wow. his employees. So I thought that was really cool. Hopefully we see some more stuff like that. But um, I, I think it's making people instead of sort of turn in and look, be me centric about what's going on with me. I think actually this is helping people sort of look at. The, the bigger picture of how it's affecting the world. And I think that's, I think that's what everybody needs at this point. We really need to think about others before ourselves and try to put ourselves in the shoes of people who have been affected worse than us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and like you said, I think it's, I think it's really cool seeing some of these companies kind of, especially these top executives step up and um, make those tough calls when it comes to things like cutting their salary before mm -hmm. they cut their employee's salary. Um, definitely, definitely an interesting time. I hope we come out of it a little bit different, but that brings us to the topic that we're on today, which is that market volatility and that we're in a bear market. So what do, exactly does it mean to be in a bear market? The, the tech, textbook definition, I guess, of a bear market is, you know, when you're tw down 20% from the current, from the previous peak, um, in this case, uh, you know, that previous peak happened back on February 12th. I mean, so I, I think it was oh, actually wow. shortly around the last time that we were here <laughs> um, you know, when did all this. And uh, and now we're sitting here talking about a bear market. Uh, so that that's the textbook definition of, of a bear market. Yeah, I think one way to look at it is think of uh, bulls always charging, charging forward. Um, bears have to, you know, foliage and, and really be crafty in what they get because they have to hibernate for the winter, that type of thing. <laughs> a lot harder to find those good deals and gains when you're a bear. Um, you have to be opportunistic. Uh, but at the same time, you have to be smart about it because, again, if you don't get enough calories, you're going to die in the winter. So um, it's I guess that's probably my analogy I could put towards the market side of things. What was the last time we even had a bear market? Uh, the last time would have been the, the great financial crisis yep. of, of wow. 2008. Uh, wow. It was the last technical bear market. Now, the thing to keep in mind with that is we've had down markets since then. You know, 2011 was not a good market. 2015 was not a good market. 2018 actually was not a very good market at all. Got rid of all the games, uh, yeah. yeah, but as far as actually meeting that textbook definition of a 20% decline from peak to trough, uh, this that that the financial crisis was the last time. Yep. So this question actually comes from a listener, and I am very curious about this. Why shouldn't I just move everything out of the market and just wait until things get better and then put it back in? 
Well, I think that the, probably the best answer to that would be you're going to miss the opportunity for growth when it comes back. Um, you know, as, uh, when you're looking at losses, it's not really realized until you actually sell. Um, so if you stay in, it's what they call unrealized. And if it's unrealized, when the market does come back, like let's use 2008 as, as an example, um, you know, the Dow dropped from 13,000 down to 6,500. And it, a lot of people lost half their retirements, half their investments, things like that. If you were to sell out and not have the opportunity to ride that back within about a year and a half, two years, it came back and then some, you really, you're never going to have a chance to make that kind of gain again. Um, with, again, it's not timing the markets, time in. You sort of get to stick it as long as your plan allows you to be able to be in. Even if it's scary, even if you're a little uncomfortable, um, it really is about being focused and and logical about your plan. Yeah, and, and I, I think it, it comes into the, the play too that it's always said that the market climbs a wall of worry. In other words, as we're going up, people always see the next thing that's going to tip something over, you know, and back negative again. And, and you know, you're starting to see that now. And while I don't think that we're necessarily out of the woods yet um, in terms of you know market performances, um, you, you know, you'll still you'll hear the negatives that, that'll still be out there again. So trying to figure out that re-entry point that, well, I'm gonna stick it out until things get better. Oh. Well, yeah, when do things really get better, technically mm -hmm. speak? I mean, if you're looking at it now, you know, we can look back in hindsight and say, oh, that's exactly when you should have gotten back in again. But when you're right up in the middle of it, it's very tough to actually pick that re-entry point at that point. Yeah, you really have to keep the emotions out of it and try to be as logical as possible. So yeah. my idea, I'm sorry, well, so my idea of setting my retirement and not even looking at it, not a bad idea, maybe? No? That's the, that's that's, the best idea. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the worst thing when I first started in this business uh, on my computer, I could see my own investments on my screen every morning when I turn it on. And even in the bad markets, I'm looking at like 1999, 2000, times like that. You know, you look at that and you're just, oh. You're, you're, you're just biting your teeth. I had to take it off my front screen just not to look at it anymore because I'd have to get into my system every day. So you do have to be disciplined. You, I mean, obviously having the opportunity to sit with a professional, if you work with one, that's awesome. Um, if you don't find somebody who's really smart about maybe the investments they've had within your family or friends and maybe get some feedback from them. And at the same time too, don't ever be afraid to ask a professional. Yeah. And I, I think uh, it goes back to what um, Rob, you said with Kind of stepping back and you don't really realize what's happening when, when you're in that moment and that's one reason it's difficult to gauge just the same you know hindsight is 2020 so mm -hmm. kind of difficult another another listener asked question that um i've had myself as well which is why has the market moved up and down by what seems a thousand points on the dow mm -hmm. um every day what, what you've got going on right now is that there's a number of what we kind of term traders i guess in the marketplace uh, that have really kind of taken over the day-to-day -day trading you know, that's going on and trying to take advantage of small movements here and there. And so that's why we'll see, you know, things jump up a thousand points this day and then they'll sell off the next day. So we'll, we have a lot of that going on right now. So there's a lot of that kind of that short-term chop because many people who were longer-term investors who were putting money out there into the market have kind of stepped away and moved off to the sidelines a good bit. Um, I know that I've seen it, and John, I'm sure you have too, that it's, uh, and, and it was from an, an advisor standpoint, it's very tough to say, oh, yeah, let's go ahead and plow some money into this thing right now as you know, it's dropping you know, 1,500 points within the course of a day. I mean, that's a little unnerving for many people. So uh, obviously we want to try to take advantage of things whenever they're quote unquote cheap, um, but at the same time, what you've had is you've had a number of people and we've seen it in the fund flows, um, you know, in terms of money flowing in the stocks and the stock funds, it's just not there right now. And so what happens then is that 
that those shorter term movements get exacerbated. That's there's a number of other things that go into it, but that's a, a good explanation for it is a lot of that long term kind of quote unquote serious money has gotten scared for the most mm. part. No, well said. Can't stand anybody in that. In your experience, have there been a variety, uh, like a variation of the different types of investors and how they would react in a bear market? It's experience. I mean, we always, when we're profiling people, we talk about um, investment experience and minimal, moderate, or extensive. Uh, somebody with minimal experience probably would make that mistake and get a little too emotional at this time and really look to move funds out just because they don't understand how that could hurt them um, in the long run. Somebody who's in the middle, same thing. They still allow emotions to get them a little bit. If they didn't have somebody to lead them through it, might do the same thing. Somebody who's extensive knowledge and has time, um, they would know that. I mean, if you think about it, if you go to Publix for those BOGOs, right? Buy one, get one. When the market's down, it's a buy one, get one opportunity in investments. And it's really hard to be logical about that when you do allow emotions to take over. Yeah. And when you're kind of thinking about it, you can kind of think about it in animal terms, in terms of the, the two kind of reactions that come into there. And you've got your ostriches, which are the ones who want to bury their head in the sand. And then, you know, they make one of three decisions Christina. and they're all bad. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> they, you know, they, they either sit there and they say, just sell everything and that, I don't have to worry about it. Um, or they just th throw their hands up and just say, you know, well, you know, forget it all and let's just reboot the whole thing. Um, or they do absolutely nothing and just don't look at it, which like we said before that, that when we were joking kind of about not looking at it, you, you want to look at it, but you want to be objective whenever you look at it. You don't okay. want to look at it and have it just totally just affect you. Um, you know, so then you have your, so you have your ostriches and then you have your wolves on the other side, which those are the ones who you know, place the angry phone calls and you know, this is your fault. It's like, I didn't do this. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about right now. Um, or, you know, that, that get out there on, on, you know, on the, the Twitters and, you know, the, the Facebooks of the world and, and, you know, inflame people and, and just lash out that way. Um, you know, and again, of course, when you're making decisions, especially decisions about money, you know, removing the emotion from it is the best thing that you can possibly do. Yeah. Well, it's funny talking about animal analogies. Think about a, a racehorse, right? They put the blinders on them so they don't get spooked as easy. They can't see to the sides. Sort of like that. Try to keep your blinders on and just look at your goal ahead. And that's all they see is ahead. It makes them run a little faster if they see that. All right. Front, I'll take so. it back. That's what you're doing, Christina. You're trying <laughs> I'm to a race you're horse. Putting, you're putting the blinders on yes. and moving forward. I am a majestic racehorse, <laughs> not a flightless bird. <laughs> Thanks, Will. So in terms of education, what do you and your role as financial advisors do to prevent people from all these different kind of animal terms talking about from ostriching or quote unquote wolfing their way through the bear market? You know, honestly, it's just setting people up for their plan. You know, it's one of those things when we take that information, we're not listening to respond. We're listening to learn. Once we learn, we're able to go ahead and give them the strategies that would get them where they're wanting to go based off how much risk they're comfortable with, their timeframes, things like that. In times like this, I always go back to that. Not that some people listen to that. Some people do. Some people don't. Um, but it really does come down to we've set this plan up specifically for you. And as long as nothing's changed in this plan and your risk levels haven't changed, I believe it's still a good thing to do. Now, I've had some people definitely not take that advice and still sold. And I've had some people that have called me up and thanked me for sticking it out because, I mean, you look at the market today. I think the Dow's what at 23, 23, yeah. 23. We have the, the S and P back up to 2,600 and back in the, the bottom of what we've seen so far, it got down to the lows 19,000 and I think 2000. So anybody who stayed in has been able to ride some of that back up and keep, you know, some of the funds that they lost um, at the get go. So, you know, it's just, it, it's an individual thing. Um, you have to do what's right for you. Um, it, I, my biggest key is just don't let your emotions get the best of you. 
Um, and in the end, you have to do what you feel is right. I can only give you advice or information to try to get you in the right direction. Um, after that, you have to decide what's best for you. I, I can't tell you what that is. Yeah, it's all perspective is what it, is. it really comes down to. It's reframing kind of the situation and you're reminding that this too shall pass, that we've done this before. Unfortunately, we've done this before. Unfortunately, we'll do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's not tomorrow. <laughs> hopefully we get a little break in there. But, uh, you know, let's get a little bit of breathing room in the whole thing. Uh, but, but on a longer term perspective of things that, like I said, this too shall pass, that, you know, we know that as long as we continue to believe that the United States is going to continue to exist and continue to function, that yeah, the overall long-term trend is upward. Um, and I think I've used the analogy before of if you think about an escalator, you know, somebody getting on an escalator with a yo-yo. Um, you know, right now we're on the down part of the yo-yo. So if you're if you're ever played with a yo-yo, which has been years for me, but um, yeah, it, it up and down, up and down. So what are you going to focus on? Are you focusing on the yo-yo going up and down, or are you focusing on the escalator going upward? You know, up up to the second, the next level. They and have the so best it's, analogies. it's a very good analogy. I but know. I also got a very funny picture in my head of Rob. Kind of like walking through the hall with, with the yo-yo, just like on his way to an appointment. Yeah, he just don't want to be on the down escalator when yeah. you're doing that. Rob's out there walking the dog, right? Thanks, <laughs> going. So, what is what should we be doing? What's the first thing we should do in a bear market? I mean, the first thing that you want to look to do is, you know, first of all, like I said, is reevaluate, you know, where am I trying to get to? You know, is this money when what's my time horizon on this again? You know, is this for retirement that's, you know, 15, 20, 30 years into the future? Um, or was this something that was shorter term? So that that kind of helped frames the, the discussion right there in and of itself. Um, then you're looking at that and saying, OK, you know, my asset allocation at that time was 80% stock, 20% bond or 50, 50 or whatever it might be. Where, where did it start from? Where are we at now? You know, do we need to make a a change right now? Because again, the whole goal in this whole thing is to buy low and sell high. I always Mm -hmm. have to think about that too. Um, (laughs) Make sure I say that the right way. But if, if we've gotten a, a significant discrepancy between where, where our initial allocation was supposed to be and where we're at now, then we need, might need to sell some of, of sell some bonds and buy some stocks right now to bring ourselves back into into uh, into balance again. Um, you know, so so you look at that and say, okay, you know, that's that's the first thing, and then that that rebalancing, it can be tough, um, and it's tough for most people to do on their own. Um, that's why there's so many funds out there that will automatically rebalance for you, um, which is is very nice. Um, working with an advisor, you know, somebody who can help guide you in that direction to say, hey, I think we need to, this is what we need to, to think about doing right now. Um, but uh, that that's really the the big approach. That's where kind of the first place to start. Yeah, I mean, definitely when you're looking at some people today that uh, might not be getting a paycheck um, or mm-hmm. I have a, a yeah. gentleman who works in the, in the aeronautics field who um, had the offer to lose his job, go on unemployment or um, work one day a week cut his pay by 80% and keep his benefits. And that's what he chose to do. So somebody like that might go through their savings pretty fast because obviously you're used to making this income that supplies your lifestyle. Now you're not making that income anymore. Um, So obviously, like Rob said, you do have to reevaluate. And if there has to be maybe a little more liquidity or something in a safer spot, just in case you need to tap that after you you might deplete your savings now, if you're out of work for two months, three months, four months, um, that's definitely something that needs to be talked about as well. Mm So, so once people have done that and they've looked at their asset allocation, um, what's, what's the next thing that they need to be doing? 
after that, it's just if you honestly in this market, if you have more funds to invest, put money in, don't be afraid. Um, that's part of it. I mean, obviously, like we said, in our business, things are on sale right now. So if you like Rob said, if you think U.S. is still going to be here, if you believe in our economy, believe in where we're going um, and you still have that time and your risk levels are the same, um, let's do what's called dollar cost averaging. Let's buy some things at a lower price. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing, too, to think about is you know, especially working with me, working with clients is helping people not there's the, another old expression of trying to catch a falling knife which you know, trying to catch something on the way down here uh, you know for example i had one that back in mid-march wanted to buy cruise line stocks Ooh, yeah <laughs> um and it obviously we, we talked about that and we decided maybe we'll wait to do to wade our, ourselves into that one uh you know, only because you're, you're looking at that and you're like yeah there's there's probably a, a this risk is significant more to the downside here than trying to pick up something that looks like a good deal just because it's cheaper right now than what it was. And so mm-hmm. it's that really going through that evaluation process to figure out, you know, is this really a good deal or are we going off of stale data, which you know, we've got a lot of that kind of waiting in through the system right now, too. I mean, you've got February jobs reports coming out. Well, guess what? I mean, we've had 10 million people that have filed for unemployment since mid the midpoint in February right now. That number really isn't significant, and we really can't make long-term decisions off of that right now. Uh, so it's it's really kind of wading through all the data points that get really washed over all of us, you know, at, at the time. Um, it, not that there aren't going to be there are going to be some significant values here, um, and you know, that there will be come a time for that. And but it's not trying to make that all in, all out. Uh, you know, type of movement there and trying to peg th- something at the bottom because nobody's ever going to do that. I mean, my crystal ball is constantly foggy. Um, but, you know, I can say, okay, yeah, now it seems like things have stabilized somewhat. Let's start to wade back in again. And again, it's wade back in. It's not let's dive back in with, with you know, head over heels and everything. Don't cannonball into it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Belly flop Belly. is my kind <laughs> of. That's your specialty. <laughs> That's my- <laughs> Well, that has been really, really helpful. And I want to do one last question before our rapid fire questions. So what can people do to reassure themselves about their money? I mean, again, perspective is the big thing. You know, if you look at kind of the chart of the markets overall, if you look at the the one week chart right now, looks good. The one month chart looks bad. The three month chart looks really bad. But if you keep expanding that out again, you get that per- that that perception that hey, this thing does move up and to the right, uh, and does build on itself over time, and that, like I said, that we've been through things before. I mean, this yeah. is not the first; uh, it's not even the first pandemic we've been through. Now, granted, it's been a hundred and you know what three years since we've had to deal with this, or you know what was twenty seventeen, or oh, I'm sorry, nineteen seventeen, seventeen, or whatever it was. Um, you know, it, it's uh, so. Most of us, none of but nobody in this room here has been through that, obviously. Um, and it was a different world back then in uh, gaining that perspective. And, you know, whenever you, you hear the things about, you know, oh, the, you know, the chart looks exactly the same right now as it, it did in the Great Depression. Well, guess what? This is a lot different experience than what the Great Depression was. Oh, and boy. hopefully we've <laughs> learned some lessons from the Great Depression. And, and we have. And you can see that in some of the responses that have come out, especially from the Federal Reserve. Uh, you know, providing liquidity and, and, and things of that nature out there into the market. Um, you know, I would calm people's fears from a, from a depression era type 
uh, approach at that point. That uh, it's it's a little bit different on this one. And you know, we've we've got some people that have studied the Great Depression now for years. I mean, you look at former Fed Chairman Bernanke was a uh, that's what he did his doctoral thesis on, I believe, or, or some thesis. I don't know if he's a doctor or not, but um, but it, it, he was basically a, a, a scholar of the Great Depression. So we have people that have, have gone through that. So whenever I hear that the D word come up in this context, um, you, you kind of use that to help calm people down a little bit that you know, I, I think that let's this isn't that same way that just because a chart looks the same doesn't necessarily mean that the outcome is going to be exactly the same too. Yeah, yeah. you got to be like a little selective sometimes when you're when you're taking in the news these days because yeah. it can be very heavy. But I also think you make a really good point that and I keep thinking about this and it, it makes me feel like a little bit grateful and somewhat more positive or optimistic, I guess I should say, um, because things really have we're, we're in a very different place. I was reading about the experience of um, these women in New York who lived through the Spanish flu, the Holocaust, the Great Depression like all these worldwide events and how they kind of came through it. But I, the one thing that I kept coming back to is like the, the advancements we're making in a, such a short period of time. I mean, I know it sounds like forever when we're talking about um, the timelines of uh, vaccines for the coronavirus and mm -hmm. whatnot. But I mean, you look back and how long it took to develop the polio vaccine it took like 20 years to develop. No, I mean, you hit the nail right on that. I think um, the, the fact that you researched it, you have to educate yourself. Um, education is key. How can you make a decision without knowing really what's going on? You can't really believe news sources or in some cases, friends or family. Um, really, if you look at the markets, you can go back to the Great Depression because let's just talk about the Great Depression for a second. The bottom of it was 1932. A dollar was worth a dime. So if you had a million dollars, your million dollars is worth 100,000. Could you imagine that kind of loss? Obviously, we haven't seen that now. Um, going forward, though, if you really broke it down and say you had 10 years to invest your money from that period, from 1932 to 1942, and you track it per 10 years, there's always been a return in the market. And I think that's the thing that people need to realize is it's not about, like Rob said, the yo-yo. Mm -hmm. It's the escalator where I'm going, right? Um, you have to pay attention to where I need to get off the escalator because if I'm watching my yo-yo, you might trip on the way out. And it's, it's just sort of that type of thing. You really have to be aware of really what your needs are now and future needs are going to be based off what you sort of set up for yourself. So it is that, like you said, you really have to educate yourself um, and at the same time, you know, having a professional help you with that isn't a bad idea. Yeah, put and on those course. blinders and keep going, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's been great. We're going to take a quick ad break and we will return with our speed round of questions. This podcast is brought to you by Addition Financial, a member-owned, not-for-profit financial cooperative. Count them into your financial journey by exploring their educational content, membership, and everything they have to offer at additionfi.com federally insured by NCUA and an equal housing lender. All right. So people have a lot of questions about their finances at this time. And that brings us to our speed round, which we call making it count essentials. So the first question, guys, is are there some types of stocks that are better to buy during a bear market? Yeah, I, obviously, in this time, you want to look at companies that have good balance sheets, good, strong balance sheets. Uh, a good indicator of that is does it pay a dividend? Uh, is kind of the first place to start there. Um, and then you can do your digging from that point. But you know, you think about a dividend as return of excess capital within a within a company, money that they don't need to do anything else with. So they return it back to shareholders. So if you're looking at a place to start, that's the first place I'd start. All right. Should people start buying stocks now? Well, like I said, if you can afford to, yes. Um, things are on sale right now. So you're buying it at a lower rate than what they were, say, a month ago. Um, so the opportunity is there. 
Um, that being said, it does again come down to your risk levels of what you feel comfortable with. Um, Cause again, keeping emotions out of this is probably the biggest deal um, breaker when it comes to a long-term plan. This quick question comes from another listener who asks, I've always heard bonds should act opposite stocks yet many bond funds and ETFs are down right now. What does that mean? Like what? Uh, the, see, that's going to be a longer than a quick fire, but yeah. Try to answer that. Let me take a shot at it. So, it, so what we talk about when we talked before about asset allocation and your kind of your stock and bond mix. And the reason that you have both is that whenever stocks don't do well, bonds are theoretically supposed to do better. Um, but unfortunately what you do have sometimes is where we have just a short term kind of unlinking of that, that, that correlation or negative correlation, I guess, really is what it is. Um, and, you know, we had that here at the beginning of this crisis where, you know, there was some liquidity fears that were out there and, you know, bond price, you know, corporate bonds went crazy um, because there wasn't a perceived buyer's market out there. Um, again, when I talked before kind of about the Fed being able to help come in and, and backstop some of that, that's what's happened there. And it's we've seen that that market restore back to normal. And we've seen those those bond prices kind of return back to where they should be um, during a, a fear time like this. And if you think about it, too, in terms of you know what the Treasury looks like right now, you know, the 10 year Treasury. So you could buy a 10 year Treasury right now and get paid a whopping 0.6 percent for the next 10 years. Um, what that means, though, is that if you own that 10 year Treasury before, you've done pretty well um, and it. Of course, not many people did, because even back before it was paying one point seven percent for 10 year period of time. Um, so we do get short term disruptions in that. But those usually the normal order normally restores. And that's what kind of what we've seen happen now. OK. Um, how long should we expect that this bear market lasts? And, and what should we see first recover the stock market or our economy? Well, I think we're sort of lined up. Um, who knows? I mean, I wish I had that answer. If I did, I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys to be on the beach, sipping a Mai Tai right now. Um, <laughs> Except you know, the beaches are closed. Yeah, I know. Well, I'd have my own By your pool. Beach. At a socially oh. responsible distance, oh, of course. Yes. So, okay. yes. okay. I have my own private He's thinking even bigger yeah. than we're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that being said, you know, it's one of those things no one really knows. I think the Fed has done a really good job at, at keeping rates lower to where when this does pass, People will be more apt to possibly throw some money into mortgage refinancing, things like that we were doing before. Um, I mean, right now we're almost at a zero percent uh, borrowing rate for banks borrowing from the Fed. So um, when they do that in times like these, they did it in 2008, which brought us back. Um, unfortunately, this is not like a 2008. This isn't to do with a financial crisis as much as it is a, the, the global pandemic we're dealing with now. So, um, you know, I, I see both probably coming back. I'd say probably the market would probably come back first and the, mm -hmm. the economy would follow because once people get that confidence that the market's doing okay that's where you see the economy pick up right after yeah you tend to see the market it recovers about six to seven months before the economy does is wow. usually what what tends to happen there um you know the typical quote-unquote typical bear market lasts about 14 months who knows if this is typical or or what um you know, I, I think that the, the path out of this is going to be there's going to have to be a treat. First of all, you have to see the curve flatten and begin to kind of taper downward, you know, in terms of the number of cases and all those things. Um, then there's going to have to be a treatment that's going to come about for it. And then there'll be a, va a vaccine for it behind that then, too. Um, you know, how those things happen and how quickly, I don't know. It's funny you talked about polio before. You know, poli the polio vaccine was discovered at my alma mater, Pitt. Held a pit, <laughs> um, and they've actually come out with tentatively a, 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 
a COVID-19 vaccine now wow. as well too, that they're gonna put in the, so we'll see if, if they can, they can do that, that's two for two, which makes up for all the heartbreak for all the years from the sports teams, but anyway. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see, the market will, will turn out of this first before the economy will. All right, last question. What about people who haven't invested before? Is it a good time to start investing? If, as long as you have time, sure. Because um, again, investing today, there's no guarantee you might lose in the short term. I mean, I think overall, as long as you have that, like I told you before, going back to the Great Depression, going in 10-year intervals, um, if we're looking at that and say you have 10 years to invest, then I say absolutely jump in. I wouldn't be too afraid. Um, as long as you know what your plan is, then that the, the key to that would be sitting down with a professional to really get that picture drawn for you, really be educated in a way that you understand the investment that you're doing. Guys, thank you so much. This has been so helpful for us. And I'm sure our yes. listeners are really going to get a lot of value from the information we gleaned today. Absolutely. Well, we always like to tie our topic into something that's happening in the news. But this week, Christina, it's been all about the news. Totally. So in light of that, considering how much the news is out there and how difficult some of it is to hear, we're going to focus on a bit of good news. Yay, good news. Yay. So this article we're talking about is in the U.S. News and World Report, and it focuses on the new CARES Act, which was signed into law in March 20, March 27th and may benefit investors. So you can read along on the article. It'll be in the show notes. And Rob, John, what is your take on the CARES Act? It, you know, obviously, it, it's the, the kind of the fiscal response. We talked so much about the Fed and, and, and the monetary response. The CARES Act is the fiscal, the, the government response to all this. And, you know, obviously, the, the, the biggest thing for most people is the direct payments. Uh, you know, the, the $1,200 payments, $500 per child, you know, under the age of 17. Um, yeah, that's going to be a, a very big part there whenever that starts to flow. Um, you know, we've already seen the, uh, the, the paycheck protection, uh, the small business part to the bill. Um, you know, they're now talking about restocking that, um, with another 200 and, you know, it, it, who knows what the number is going to end up being. Um, it was 350 billion and obviously was, was, you know, very well received. I, mean, I think bank of America, um, on the day that it opened had the, you know, subscribe subscriptions out there for about 10% of the amount themselves, which is crazy. Um, you know, then you've got the unemployment uh, provisions. You know, I had talked about, about my my son who's 18 and, and lost his job. Um, he qualifies for the federal, federal unemployment protection here. So he's going to be getting an extra 600 bucks a week. The child didn't make $600 a week before. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's part of that as well. And so all that stimulus, once that starts to really flow, um, is really going to help, only help as far as from the investment you know, perspective. It's definitely going to take some of the edge off, um, allow people to get back to the workforce and replenish some of what they lost. Because um, let's face it, um, we, you know, I've had to tap into my savings. I'm sure Rob's had to tap into his. I'm sure you all had to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe people who still are able to work the 40 hours, maybe not so much. But, um, you know, what it really comes down to in the end is that the only way for things to get better is to go out and spend, um, whether it be getting loans, whether it be buying groceries, buying, you know, accessories, things like that. So I think the importance that I think people really need to understand um, as like Rob said before, this too shall pass. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, But if you really want to take a hindsight picture, just do that history lesson for yourself. Educate yourself on how the markets sort of react to these things and when they happen and how bad things can be and sort of how long it took them to come out of those certain phases. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about you know, the, the liquidity that's come through all this. Um, you know, that, again, is going to present itself with you know, some excess liquidity in the system there. Like I said, I know with, with my son, 
you know, we've talked about it. I'm like, um, you know, we're not going to spend all this. You know, we're going to, you're going to take apart the spend. You're going to take apart and you're going to save it, you know, for short, because he's going to go to start school in, in the fall. Um, and then we're going to take apart and we're going to invest that part too. Um, now the government would probably cringe to hear me say that I'm telling him to save and invest part of that, that because that's not pumping out into the economy, but it, it gives the opportunity there for us to have that lesson to say, Hey, this is how you, a good way to structure this. Um, and it does give everybody kind of a chance to kind of to, to do that as well. Um, and if people do choose to you know, take part of that and you know, take part of your stimulus payment or your unemployment payment, if you can afford to do so, or whatever it might be, and kind of begin that investing cycle there, um, that's only going to help the, the economy and the markets as well, too. So I just uh, think the area would just be living in the central Florida area where tourism and all of our theme parks are closed. Mm -hmm. All the hotels are a lot of them are closed. Um, all the conventions that would normally come here and all those small businesses that worked in the convention field, did audio, did visual, did lighting, all that stuff. They are all out of jobs right now. So I think that is really going to hopefully help our central Florida economy. Definitely. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Yeah, we thank really you guys. appreciate your time. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. All right, Christina, it's time for our favorite segment. What, what did, did we, we learn today? today? All right, Christina. So what did you learn today? I learned today that I really need to be that racehorse with the blinders on. Like I can look at my investments, but don't panic. Stay calm and understand that it, it will get better. It's gotten better before. It'll get better again. What about you, Will? Well, I've learned a lot. I, I echo your sentiment a lot. Um, but I think today was just a really nice reminder that, you know, it's best to not panic. It's best mm -hmm. to take back, look at get the perspective. I think that's a really good point. It, and look at your long-term goals, figure out where you are in your life. So I think that is very reassuring to me. I like kind of pulling myself out of my situation and looking from, you know, 20 miles above and just trying to see what's going on. Yeah. And that's hard to do sometimes, especially when it's, we're so consumed with what's going on now just to take that 20,000 foot vision. Mm -hmm. It's nice to kind of put it into that perspective. Like they were saying, it's all about perspective. Um, well, at the end of each episode, we love to leave our listeners with some sort of next steps based on the topic that we've covered. So today we want to share this new awesome blog from Edition Financial called On the Plus Side. This blog series focuses on positive news, wellness tips, and helpful resources during this uncertain time to help you keep in good spirits. You can read the latest edition of On the Plus Side by visiting resources.editionfi.com. And we've also linked it in the show notes. There's some really cute articles really, in yeah, there. There's curbside um, takeout bingo. That's really fun. I love support that your one. local restaurants. Yes, Very support important. local, eat local. We have been eating so much takeout lately. <laughs> it's kind of, but we're supporting local, yes, right? Exactly. That's the whole point. Exactly. Uh, we'll get through it, Will. We well, can do we're this. We're going to make it. Yeah, we can do it. And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. Thanks so much for joining us today. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. You can also subscribe or follow to stay up to date on our latest episodes. In the meantime, send us your questions and share your success stories by emailing us at podcast at And whatever you do, make, make it count. count.